We are excited to dive back into our Easy Yoke series this morning where we are learning from Jesus and we're asking people that we don't normally hear from just, hey, as you take Jesus' yoke upon you, what are you learning from him? Um, and I'm here with one of my favorite people, Mark Wendell. Mark, among other things, he is our uh, pastor who oversees student ministry and men's ministry. And there's probably other stuff you over just all sorts of stuff we throw at him. Uh, and one of the things that I love about Mark is he's here because we're going to learn from a student. And this is one of the things that our student ministry has been doing for years. It is asking students to not just participate, not just show up, but actually lead and step in and do stuff. Um, and that is really kind of your heart for mm, student ministry. Definitely. Tell us about that. Why would you do that? Well, I, at its core, it's defined as student ministry. Right. It's not Mark's ministry or Jonathan's ministry. It's about students learning how to minister to each other, to our community, in their homes, in their schools, on the teams that they're on. And so we believe in creating a safe environment also for students to try stuff. This is the safest place to try anything and fail. Playing music, speaking in public, reading in public, uh, ministering around town in the community. This is a safe place to try things, succeed or fail. But we want this to be the safest place to try uh, and to fail. But student ministry, let's try to have them learn how to minister to other people. I love that. But I, this is the question that I always go to. Like, does that ever make you nervous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there have been a number of times, especially to quote this last semester, we were real intentional about letting students speak and teach mm -hmm. to one another. And there were a few times when a student in complete vulnerability, open heartedness, was sharing some difficult things. And I was sitting in my chair saying, I might hear about that later. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah. except from families to say, their students driving on the way home, what a profound time that was together. Because mm. every single word that a student says is fluent. Yeah. Things I say are no longer fluent to our students. I'm basically blah, blah by yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, but there are some moments where it's risky, but isn't that isn't that this good? Yeah. It seems like a risky thing. Yeah, and I love the courage that our student ministry has to just do that. I, You know, this has been a hard year for all of us, and obviously uh, it has probably impacted teens in some unique ways. As you've watched teens, what have you learned from them this year? Uh, whether they want to admit it or not, they have a desperate need for community. Hmm. Uh, coming out of COVID last summer, we couldn't do a whole lot. We were trying to be cautious to regulations, and what we were doing was really lame. <laughs> you couldn't really do anything, but they wanted to be together. They would. They just wanted to hang out and be near, and we've seen them in a, in a place of safety be willing to talk about their struggles, things that were really difficult for them during this last school year, um, but they have continued to prove out how important community is to them. Yeah. I love that. There's a lot that I think we can learn from uh, teens who are trying to follow Jesus, trying to sort this thing out. And that's what we get to do today is just ask that question of one of our teens. What is Jesus teaching you as you follow him? Well, there's that. <laughs> Only for the sake of empathy, I hope that sometime this week, all of you get to see a 10-foot version of yourself. <laughs> that's a real treat. I'm excited for today. Welcome to church. And it seems like we're turning things over to young people today, but I want to encourage you, we do this every Sunday. We do this every Wednesday. Whether you like it or not, or whether you realize it or not, a couple Sundays ago, we had more than 30 students helping lead this church on a Sunday morning. They were with your children in the nursery. Yikes. They were with your children in the Grove, elementary school age. 
They help lead in 56 all the time. In fact, we're dreaming, could 56 be a program that's nearly completely student-led? They're serving. They served your coffee this morning. They're greeting at doors. We have an investment in young people that says, you're not the future. You're the church right now. This is your gig. I'm working desperately to work myself out of a job. Thank you for whistling about that. <laughs> Let's let them do it right. And it is risky. Sometimes it's a little bit scary, I will tell you. But can you imagine over 30 of our young people were serving. They're desperate about serving and finding their way in Jesus and in his name. They are, they are actively searching and seeking, and, but they're serving here all of the time. So today we're in for an extra special treat. We have a young lady that's going to come bring the word. She's going to preach to us today. Because the whole, series, whole yoke series says, what is Jesus teaching you? And you're in for a real treat. This is basically God sending a SWAT team and kicking the front door of a teenager's mind open. You get a chance to see how they think, how they feel, how they speak today. You're in for a real treat today. Would you help me in welcoming Gabby Tempia up front today? Good morning, Gabby. Morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How was the first sermon? Good. You're right, it was amazing. <laughs> We've also asked and invited our 56 department to join us. Would you all agree with me? Is it important that children and younger students see older students serving God? Yes. Yes. They see, whether they realize or not, they see themselves serving. They see themselves singing and leading and teaching. They see themselves, realize it or not, in older students. So we want for them to be able to see this active at work. You ready? Yes. Me too. I can't wait for the second go around. This is the Tempia family. This is a beautiful family, dynamic, really talented family. But you were at Pope Rock a long time ago. You were a wee one back then, right? Yeah. But you, your family was gone for a while, but now you're back for a little over a year ago. The Tempias came back. Would you uh, uh, tell all of our lovelies together today, where, where were you during that time span before you came back about a year or so ago? What was your family up to? Uh, my dad's part of the U.S. Space Force now, but when we moved to Canada, he was part of the Air Force. And then after we moved to, uh, from Canada, we moved to Florida, and then from Florida to here. Cool. How was Canada, eh? <laughs> they do say that. They really do. It's funny. You just don't do it right. I probably. That's not the first time I've heard that today either, though. That's okay. How should I say it? Well, I'll mess it up, too. Okay. Well, that's right. We'll save it for later. Can we pray for Gabby? If nothing else, I know this based on the first hour. God is going to be honored by Gabby's sermon today. He asked her to do it, and she's done it. She's been obedient. He asked her to plan what he would have you here today, and she's, she's done it. So if nothing else, it doesn't matter what they think, God will be honored again by what you're going to say to you. Let's pray for Gabby. Would you all pray with me? Father God, thank you for this time together. For all these folks who have come from different walks of life and different backgrounds, different experiences, in this moment today, you've brought us together for something special. As Gabby speaks to us and teaches us, would you make it very perfectly clear to us what you'd have us to hear and then do about what we hear? Thank you for Gabby, for her heart, for her passion, and for her preparation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. You're better than the first service. That's good. Okay. Uh, my name is Gabby Tempia, as said before. I am 15. I'm going into my sophomore year of high school. Most would think that would be exciting. I do not. That just means more work, more expectations, which are great. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm 15. That means I'm not an adult. 
that's 18. And in my family, we don't even consider 18-year-olds adults. That's 21. But I tried thinking like an adult. I tried writing a sermon like an adult. I never want to do it again. <laughs> it's tiring. It's exhausting. Those two words mean the same thing. This is why I'm 15, <laughs> not 18. And in writing like an adult, I came to realize that I would be lying to you. And by that point, I should be telling you, teaching you not to lie. So with that information, I decided to go all out on being 15. Everything that you're going to hear from a 15-year-old 15-year-old's perspective, all the jokes that, I, that I'll crack, uh, all of my uh, thoughts, opinions, they're all from a 15-year-old's perspective. So I hope you will find some interest in that. When preparing for today, I had to answer five main questions. The first question, obviously, what is God teaching me? The second question, how will the church react to a 15-year-old preaching to them? The third question, why would the church react like this? Questions two and three aren't too important. They framed how I'm going to speak to you. If you do want to know the answer to those questions, though, you can feel free to ask me after the service. Question one, though, is very important. Because if I didn't answer that question, then I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. And I came up with different ideas. And all the ideas that I came up with were all things that God has taught me. And only one thing is what he is teaching me. And that one thing is patience. And this leads me to question four. When I hear the word patience, what do I think of? This is also a question for you all. When you hear the word patience, what do you think of? Now, I know it's in the early morning. Well, I won't say early morning, but I know it's still in the morning. You may still be tired, but I actually want you to use your brains and think a little bit about this question. When you hear the word patience, what do you think of? Most of you, I guess, would probably have thought about something that has to do with waiting. And I know that we all love to wait. We love waiting in the grocery store. We love waiting for that one person to stop talking. And we love waiting for that student driver who is going 10 miles below the speed limit. I would know, I'm that student driver. And the answer I came up for that question is waiting. And I knew that I could teach, preach, talk, whatever word you'd like to use, about waiting. There are a bunch of scriptures and a bunch of teachings about waiting. But I also knew that I could go deeper and tell you exactly what I am waiting for. And that leads me to question five. What am I waiting for? The answer to question four is that, question five, sorry, is that I am waiting for God's plan to continue. I like to think of my journey in faith like a train. You got different stops, and in between each stop, you got 
the trials that your faith will bring. And then the stops are, what I would say, are slow moving. Like you don't, you don't know where to go from there. And I currently feel like I'm at one of those stops. That's why I'm waiting. And this is usually the part in the sermon where the pastor gives you the verse that they'll be preaching from. And try as I might, my 15-year-old mind could not come up with a more creative way to give you the verse. So if you would like to follow along, I'll be in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The verse reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I didn't find this verse until I was preparing for this sermon. But even though I've only known this verse for about three weeks, I still find it a very powerful verse. I really understood that God had a plan for me during seventh grade. It's also been during seventh grade that I started thinking about life after college. My mom and I had, my mom and I had lovely, short little mini talks about your future. They've been going on for three years now. I want them to stop. <laughs> I have three careers in mind that interest me, all for different reasons. And my mom, what seems to be about every other week, like, comes to ask me, which one interests you the most, Gabby? And I give her an answer. It just changes every other week. I can't seem to pick one. I've lost count how many times I've asked God to tell me which path I should go on. And I'll admit, there have been times where I've given up my patience, given up waiting, and in doing so, I mentally tell God that I've given you time to tell me given you time to tell me where I should go with my life, which one would glorify you the most, which one is the best option for me. But I'm done waiting now. And it's only been putting, when putting this sermon together that I realized that, it's only been putting this together that I realized why I feel that way. I feel that way because I have a fear of the future. And when I tell most people that, they think I mean death, fear of death. And then I tell them, no, I don't fear death. And then they realize that they mean I fear my time between life and death. And they realize that I don't have it all figured all out. And most of these people that I tell this to are of the world. They don't have a faith like I do. So they start thinking bad about me. They start saying that I should have it all together, that by my age I should know if I want to get married and I have a family, if what college I should go to, what career path is the best career. And learning patience for me means that I need to wait for, that, for those answers. 
And waiting also means that I don't need to fear the future because I don't have it figured all out. I don't know my future. But God does have it figured all out, which, he, which means he does know my future. Which for some that may be, I don't know how to put it. For some that may not be comforting. But for me that is comforting. And I find it quite funny. On my move from Florida to here, we stopped at my grandparents' place. And and on a nice, sunny, bright day, my two younger siblings were being especially annoying. And I looked up, closed my eyes, and mumbled to God, Lord, give me patience. It wasn't a very sarcastic voice, but something deep down in my heart actually wanted patience. So I like to imagine that God smiled and said, okay, you want patience? I'm gonna give you high school. And as much as I wouldn't like to admit it, high school has given me patience. Patience with my adult superiors, patience with my own peers, patience with my siblings, patience with my parents, and most importantly, patience with God. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, lets me know that God does have a plan for me, which means I don't need to fear the future, which means I don't need to have sleepless nights wondering what's going to happen to me, which means when I'm doing a math test, I don't need to wonder how this is going to affect me getting into a college, because God has it figured all out. And as I go into sophomore year, I look forward to, see, to seeing how God will continue to teach me patience and probably other things that I need to know. And if you're anything like me, you need a good story to put this all into perspective. And I found a good story. This is about two siblings working on a plant project they run across a snake. The older sister was up front on a path. The younger sister was behind the older sister. The older sister was jumping around, all happy, smiley, confident, until a snake slithered across the path, hunting a moth. The older sister shrieked in fear and jumped up about a good foot in the air. She ran back about 20 feet and started babbling about nonsense. The younger sister didn't see the snake and in confusion went back to the older sister and asked what had happened. Through the babbling, the older sister was able to make out the word snake. The younger sister smiled, chuckled, and turned back around to go towards the snake, thinking that it was nothing. The older sister, though, started sobbing and shaking and saying, don't make me go back. The worst, the only other thing that the older sister could have done was faint. Everything else she did. And the younger sister tried to calm the older sister down, but the older sister wouldn't listen and it didn't work. 
So finally, the younger sister put her hands on the, on the older sister's shoulder and said, get a hold of yourself. A couple minutes later, the older sister had calmed down somewhat and was starting to listen more to the younger sister. Eventually, they backtracked and went the way, the opposite direction that the snake was going. Now, I like to imagine us as the older sister. We're all confident, we're all happy, until life happens, the snake. We meet trials that we think we are unprepared for, and we become fearful, sometimes angry. And like the older sister, we start babbling. We may even backtrack. And then I like to think of God as the younger sister, somebody who's walks who is walking with us through it all, never left us, always there. And when we, we meet the snake, the younger sister, God, asks us what's going on. And then we answer, and then he kind of chuckles, saying, why do you fear that? Why are you angry about that? You have me. I am more powerful than this obstacle you have no reason to be right here. But we won't listen to that. So like the older sister, we continue to babble, to sob, to shake, to say, please don't make us go. Until finally we do listen. And we make our decision to go forward, to stay where we are, to go back. But God doesn't leave us when we make that decision, where we, or when we're babbling, or when we're confident, just like the younger sister didn't lead the older sister. Now this isn't a perfect analogy. There are flaws. But I think it fits here because of my fear of the future. It's just like my fear of the snake. We have to face it but God won't leave us. And I have to admit, that story is actually real life. The younger sister is my sister Lizzie and I'm the older sister. When putting this sermon together, I came to realize a lot of things. I've mentioned a couple of them to you. But one other thing that I came to realize that there's no one better to teach you whatever God is teaching you than God. Because he has an abundance of patience, abundance of mercy, abundance of love, abundance of grace. He's, there's no one better. So I know that God will teach me patience and it will take years to master it. And even then, I'll fall face, face first on concrete and go splat. But that's okay. And I hope you realize that wherever you are, God hasn't left you, and he won't leave you. Because he is God, the Lord Almighty. And if you're going to take anything away from what I just said... It's that. I hope you found some interest in listening to a 15-year-old girl, girl speak. 
Thank you for your time, and thank you for listening. Gabby, good job. Get away from me. Okay. Is that some of the strangest stuff you've heard for a while? A teenager would stand in front of you and talk about how she talks to God, what he says to her. This is unheard of in the world we live in today. She'd tell you how she's struggling. She's challenging you to try what she's trying. Gabby, I cannot thank you enough for how bold you are, your strength. She is so very talented. She's come to me a number of times and said, Mark, I want to do everything. Just challenging. I have the coolest job anywhere. I could line y'all up, we could argue about it later. I have the coolest job in existence. I get to hang out with young people like this. And it certainly is keeping me young. I help lead a student uh, pastor network here in Colorado Springs. I meet with guys and girls from all over town. And I am by far not even close to the oldest one in attendance every time. But I feel like I'm being able to stay young because I get to spend time with these young people. They are teaching me all sorts of things. Anytime we have young people speak or teach to one another on a Wednesday night during our core group leading or anytime we do on Sunday morning at 56, what we do immediately after that young person has spoken or taught is we take about four or five, six minutes for the students who were listening and adults who were listening to affirm or encourage the student who was speaking or teaching. Like if something landed with a person, if it resonated or if you could relate to what was said, we would share that with the speaker. And there's been some incredible things said on a Wednesday night when a student would say to a student, I heard you talk about that. And I understand what you were going through. We have adults saying to students, I see that in you. I saw that in myself when I was 13. Keep doing what you were doing. So the challenge for all of us today, was there something that Gabby said that landed with you? And we're not going to take the time to share all those things as a group now because, well, lunch is coming. But she's not going anywhere quick. As you leave today, would you find her and tell her if something landed with you? Would you affirm or encourage her? If you, were, if you could relate to something, tell her about it. Let's encourage one another. Because she was really brave and courageous and gutsy today to share what she shared with you. Talk to her about it. Gabby, if I could tell you, I would tell you that I related to the fact when you said that I've lost my patience. I've lost my patience. I had an idea what I thought God should do and it didn't work out a certain way. So I lost, like I had a better idea in mind, right? I heard you encourage me as an adult in your loving adult in your life. Uh, calm down. Be patient. There's a lot to learn in that waiting part, right? What an encouragement from our students that she would teach and lead us in this way. Fuller Youth Institute about four, five or six years ago put out a book called for, uh, Growing Young. And what they did was they went across the country interviewing teenagers all over the country and saying, hey, what's important to you in your faith? Because what we don't want to have happen is what's happening. What we don't want to have happen is when you get to a certain age, you abandon that. What can we do to try to minimize the risk of that when you get to be a certain age? And teenagers from all across the country basically reported back three questions they would love to have, an have answered. The first question from teenagers all over the country was, would this go on without me? No. You can't have youth ministry without youth. Thank you for being here. You're keeping me employed. The second question from across the country, uh, the students wanted to know, hey, if I wasn't there, would you notice? Yes, we notice. Which is why important for us as loving adults to let them know we missed them when they weren't here. Write them a note, text them, fax their parents. <laughs> We're gonna know when you weren't here. 
And the third question reported by teenagers, could we please know the answer to the third question was, when will I be asked to do something significant? Teens want to know, when will I be asked to do something significant? And if you work with adults long enough, you realize adults, we basically want what teenagers want. The question for you today is, you, when will you be asked to do something significant? Our young people today were asked to do something significant and play music. Close your eyes, you didn't know they were kids. Close your eyes, she didn't know she was 15. They were asked to do something significant and they reported to it. I walked in this morning for rehearsal, I just cried. This is what we're looking for right here, is kids will try and do it. You're being asked to do something significant today. God is asking you something. I'm gonna throw in a shameless plug. You can be asked to be, do something significant by working with our teenagers on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings. We need your help to help walk through faith with these kids. You want to prosper, you want to flourish in your faith, work with high school kids. I'm telling you, they will keep you on the edge of things. And without naming names, there are at least three adult core group leaders in this room right now who I have seen in their spiritual faith, their journey with Jesus, flourish. They are growing because they're working with high school kids, middle school kids, and students in the fifth and sixth grade. We need your help. You need their help as we all journey with Jesus together. What an amazing time together. Can we ask our worship band to come back up front? As they get rigged in and plugged in, I think the question for all of us, this question about patience, what is God trying to teach us in the midst of the world we are living in about patience? And it was fun to hear Gabby answer the question because a teenager's perspective, they're facing things moment to moment you can't imagine. Patience, what is he trying to work out in our faith with him? with respect to our patience. And we can ask him for help, all those things, and we can rely on him, things that Gabby said, because he is worthy of that. And we can throw those things on. Can we pray together? God has in mind to teach us a little bit more this morning through one final worship song. Let's pray together. Father God, what a time together. Thank you for being here. Thank you for welcoming us into your presence, into your home, to your house here today. Father, thank you for Gabby's message. Thank you for her giftings, her talents, her abilities. She's gutsy enough to share with the rest of us today. We trust and know you were honored by her message today. Father, we all need your patience. Who better to teach us about patience than the most patient God? Father, you are worthy. Help us open our hearts as we profess that to you in this moment. In Jesus' name.